0: everyone, and welcome back to Ghouls Night In, the spooky chat show with your best ghoul friends. I'm Penny Snark. And I'm Midge Munster. And it's it's been an ongoing theme of our show, I would say, <laughs> since, since the very beginning, uh, to talk about why things are gay. Why and... are they gay? <laughs> why are they gay? <laughs> and... <laughs> we are not the only ones who want to talk about why things are gay, uh, because there is a amazing documentary now on Shutter called Queer for Fear.
1: Ugh. Queer for Fear, produced by the immaculate Brian Fuller
0: so immaculate maybe
1: you've maybe we've mentioned him once or (laughs) twice just no way of knowing
0: no no i don't know i don't think anyone really knows how we feel about this fuller (laughs) fellow no uh but yeah uh, you may remember that we mentioned this on the show uh back when we did our midsummer scream recap um because we mentioned um that this was an upcoming project um, of Brian's. But it is now out. Um, so officially, as we are recording, all four episodes have dropped and are available uh, for you to listen to. Uh, I think this was a show that you and I were both really looking forward to. Um, yes. And I think I I will think it's safe to say one that we both did, in fact, enjoy <laughs> now that it is here. Thoroughly, uh, thoroughly uh, and we enjoyed. really wanted to just kind of chit chat about it. Um, So, for those who don't know, uh, Queer for Fear is a four-part documentary series on Shudder that is exploring uh, the evolution of horror through a queer lens. Um, So, it is executive produced by uh, Brian Fuller and Steakhouse, um, and it features just all kinds of um, writers, critics, directors, actors, just all sorts of kind of people involved in Uh, media talking about the history of horror and its queerness and just
1: like the best they got so many great people involved with this like all the people you could ever want to listen to talk about horror and it, it was uh, it, it's so good yes <laughs> so, uh, so
0: good <laughs> i was um reading some of like the interviews and like the lead up um to the show just to mm-hmm. kind of get a feel for it and one of the bits that i loved the most is uh brian was saying that it was meant to feel like you're at like a horror salon and you're mm-hmm. hanging out with quote savvy horror art queers and i'm like <laughs> yes that is where I want to be. That is what I want to do. And <laughs> What's the address? Here I come. This uh, series definitely delivers on that. I mean, I yeah. think before before we talk about the series itself, I got to shout out the posters um, oh my that gosh. they did. So like, cool. Ugh, these advertising posters um, feature... Um, Some fab drag queens. We've got Alaska, Ben de la Creme, Mayhem Miller. We have Leah Delaria dressed as Alfred Hitchcock, Hitchcock. which was so So good. good. (laughs) So good. Just like, these are such like, these are such a vibe. I'm like, I want to hang these up in my house.
1: Yes. And then I believe, I believe the model's name is like Saturn, Saturn Rising. Yes. That did the um, Grace Jones look. The Grace Jones
0: one, so good.
1: Oh, beautiful. Yeah. The poster is I would frame those and hang them mm. in my home. They're very, very cool. Um, great advertising. Definitely got me excited to watch. Um, and I thought, too, was very cool. Uh, you know, it was very purposeful, the the characters um, that they chose to feature. Mm-hmm. And, like, Dela La Bendelkram, uh, you know, in certain episodes is in that werewolf drag yes. versus when they're not. And like, they're it's very purposeful um, why those characters are
0: chosen and how that plays into what they're talking about in the series. It's really, really cool. For sure. And I mean, I know we've already gushed a little bit about the, the guests that they had, but like you said, it was just such, such a who's who. And I, I really appreciated just the like, like, all forms of diversity amongst the guests. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, we had, um, you know, people of different orientations, different gender expressions, different races. But also, like, you had some really young people. You had some older people. You have, like, a good variety of, like, what kind of your creative focus was. Yes. And it just, it really felt like a really well-rounded, like, panel of people.
1: And really some cool um, features of, like, children of people. Yeah. Um, from famous horror films and things that offered a really unique perspective on some things. Um, Yeah, and like you said, because you had people from so many different walks of the creative sphere, we got a really, I thought, a really full dissection of queerness, not just from the watching of a film, but from its inception its development its writing like every mm, aspect yeah. was really dissected well in a way that showed a really full picture of how queer people have shaped this genre and this industry is very very well crafted
0: yeah and i feel i feel like like as as we're kind of talking about this like It sounds like, oh, yeah, it's this really interesting piece about like the theory of queer horror. But it's it's a very engaging and very lighthearted series. Like people are definitely talking about serious topics, but bringing in a lot of humor and just I felt like it was really approachable. Like it definitely felt like I I am someone who went (laughs) to school, who went to, you know, did English classes in college. So literary analysis is definitely something that I am very familiar with. Um, but it didn't feel like it was, like, over the top at all, I felt like. Like, I think that that can be kind of intimidating to people sometimes, the sort of idea of, like, film theory or, you know, analysis. Yeah, it,
1: it wasn't overly heady. Like, it mm-hmm. was... And, and because a lot of these people are, like, actors, and, I mean, yeah, they were coming at it from a place of, like, love and really, like, fun. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there are they're drag queens. Drag queens yes. aren't heady. <laughs> They're intelligent, but they're not uh they're not gonna sit there and like bore you about something. So no, it's yeah, approachable is a great word. I mean, you all know I have the attention span of a goldfish and (laughs) the episodes are like 45 to an hour long, depending on the episode. Um, and they like captivated my attention. Like I was in it to win it. Like (laughs) it was I I wanted I didn't realize it was only gonna be a four episode installment, and I'm honestly
0: I'm sad uh, I know I, want, I could have like, watched so much 12 more, more. episodes yes. yeah. I definitely hope that it gets like the kind of response that makes Shudder say oh we should do a season 2 of this because there's definitely so much more that you could explore here
1: so go subscribe to Shudder and watch <laughs> like, this is not sponsored. but oh, I was
0: about to say I'm like as I'm talking about this I'm like this is in no way sponsored or anything no, it is but... just a thing that me and Midge are very into.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, and, yeah. And if, if it gets a good a good turnout, I mean, they they did a deep dive, but they really only scratched the surface at the same time. So, like, mm-hmm. there's so much more that can be unpacked and talked about. And so, hopefully, because they did mark it as, like, season one. I noticed that. Yes. So, that, that usually means there's an opportunity for season two there. Mm-hmm. So, hopefully. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I thought that maybe we could just like go through the episodes and like kind of discuss the topics, like what we what we were most into, you know, from each of those, and just kind of have a good old our own little queer for fear jit chat. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Uh, Well, let me
1: let me kick you right off the Mm -hmm. gate there then, because let's talk about Mary fucking Shelley.
0: Bitch. Hell yeah. Uh, that's the thing about this episode is like some of these I'm like, ooh, we could do whole episodes on many of these people and topics. And I'm sure and, Mary and Shelley Frankenstein yeah. will pop up mm-hmm. in the future. But yeah, she is the, the OG goth queen. Yeah. And a bycon. Yes. Total bycon. Had no uh, time for Byron shit. Just <laughs> out here creating a new genre, kicking ass. Yeah. Hussy tussying with. <laughs> that was
1: my favorite part of this episode so the first episode um we're talking about the foundations of horror really Mm -hmm. like where the genre starts um so we're talking about like way pre pre pre-film we're talking Mary Shelley we're talking Bram Stoker um and yeah the Mary Shelley bit they're talking about how she had like written all these letters about i believe it was her like quote assistant jane (laughs) Mm -hmm. um as saying that she was like the most beautiful creature she had ever seen and if mary shelley had been a man she would have fallen in love with her instantly and i was like oh yeah we we've all been there
0: (laughs) (laughs) i i loved like the letters in this in this episode yes me too It's so cool because obviously like throughout um, the series there's a lot of like really amazing like film clips Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: I was kind of like oh like this is like the historical part what are we going to do here and they did include you know clips from adaptations um, of some of these authors work but they also included like dramatic readings of some of these letters, and uh, the letter that Bram Stoker wrote to Walt Whitman to broke Walt my heart. Oh my gosh! Like I know. So when we talked about Dracula, we did talk about Bram Stoker a bit, and you know, kind of the 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 modern interpretation that he may have been a pretty closeted um, man, and he just wrote a letter of like such longing to walt whitman the queerest longing i have ever been oh and it was just it was just terrible and it's it's you know and they talk about um oscar wilde um in the portrait of dorian gray um a fair amount um and how oscar wilde like being publicly outed kind
1: of contributed Mm -hmm. to bram stoker very possibly like retreating back into the closet in a really severe way (laughs) um because, you know, you used to be able to be, like, banished and or killed for just being a gay person and mm-hmm. being alive. Um, which I guess there are still places in our world, unfortunately, that that's true. But, oh, um, yeah. but
0: definitely, I don't I don't like I like don't it. mean to
1: make light of it as if like, now it's all great and we're all happy. Um, but yeah, no, the, that episode in particular was very interesting to me just because, you know, I I've seen a lot of people, you know, interpreting writings of these people to, you know, su- like you said, kind of suggest that they may have been queer. Um but when you look at these historic like documents, these letters that they wrote themselves, there's really no it's it's no longer speculation. Like there's really no denying the the queerness that um existed there and that and of course if that's part of who you are of course it's gonna seep into your writing and the way you exist in the world and i don't know this episode made me really emotional because Mm -hmm. like this is something that we love so much and to know that it's like i mean mary shelley literally created the genre (laughs) (laughs) she made this um and for her to be a queer woman is is very cool and it it literally you know, it's kind of like how you can't be pro LGBTQ without being like pro black women. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, they they are the the foundation. Um and so that that's very cool cuz it's to me it's like you can't be a horror fan and not be pro gay. <laughs> you right? really can. We are the the heartbeat of the 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 creation of it and that's so freaking cool.
0: Yeah, I feel like this episode just like drum dramatic what am i demonstrated <laughs> words uh, Demonstrated. Demonstrated. uh it demonstrated how much queer both like actual queerness as in like queer creators have been part of horror from the beginning as well as just like this kind of forbidden nature of queerness has always been part of horror texts and, right yeah and how and like it, it- it, it, the hor-
1: well, and yeah, just I mean, I know we know it, but hearing it like said in that context of like horror- ne- horror is about being the other mm-hmm. like there's so much of you know survival and otherness and like being um misunderstood that creates these quote monsters um it is it is it's very inherently the queer experience, and uh yeah oh, I love it I lo- go watch the show <laughs> I know I'm like
0: watch watch the show I can't I need
1: does anyone have a mountaintop I can scream from
0: Ugh. oh my gosh um and moving into episode two, uh, we do kind of move uh jump ahead to horror cinema um mm-hmm. particularly universal monsters um and as well as a suspense drama um we talk a lot about some of Hitchcock's work and some of. The very strange um, homoerotic subtext uh, (laughs) that you see throughout there, which I guess... It was one of those things where I'm like, I've watched this movie, not like, I have not seen Rope. I think oh, I was gonna say, if you,
1: if you ever seen Rope, you can't miss it. <laughs> so
0: when I was like, watching that, I was like, wow, this is very gay. But I did see Strangers <laughs> on a Train. And okay, yeah, yeah. In like, high school, probably. And watching it now, I'm like, how did I not see like, how intensely gay this is?
1: Well, and I think that was overall, too, the thing I, I really liked about this series. You know, it's like, sometimes... Certain people, Midge Munster Like <laughs> You can really apply a queer lens To anything if you try oh, hard yeah, enough sure. But I didn't feel like this show Was doing that, I didn't feel no. like They were taking everything they could grab And be like, and here's why this is gay Like It was all so well founded <laughs> And uh, The Alfred Hitchcock stuff Was very interesting to me because He's kind of a controversial player mhm I've never been a, a huge fan of him as a human being, um, so it was interesting to
0: delve more into like the th- what made him tick. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, it was incredible to hear from Oz Perkins, Anthony Perkins' son, yes, just kind of I loved about. That how much that impacted their family and it was just that was another part where i was like this is so sad my heart <laughs> i know it's heartbreak, yeah and like i i just kept thinking
1: his wife uh anthony's wife like what a goat i know like because you so they they get into talking if you haven't watched the series yet um about anthony perkins who is perkins is that right yeah my brain was like nope um (laughs) who is best known for playing norman bates and psycho um how that film kind of both jump-started his career and kind of destroyed his career simultaneously because um it really kind of showed a side to him that had not been shown he was playing a lot of like handsome love interests and like swoony eating man yeah um and it kind of showed his more of his true nature. I think is kind of the way they were expressing it in the in the series. Um, and he was a a closeted gay man. Now, I was gonna say not as a
0: murderer to be not clear. as yeah. Let's <laughs> be clear.
1: Well, and so that's the tricky thing too. Then is like this. You know, a lot of queerness is being shown as villainous. Yeah. Like it's be, it's being synonymous. So yeah, but anyway <laughs>
0: yeah i thought so i thought this was especially interesting and i did i was you know i have been of course talking to people in real life nonstop about this documentary also oh, being like let yeah. me tell you about queer for fear and
1: literally giving seminars in friends cars right. for two weeks
0: <laughs> just this this idea that like it is still definitely present in hollywood and media that like Playing gay can be bad, is bad for your career, and that like mm-hmm. it can ruin you, but just that it was like so much more heightened in that time where it was just like, well, this guy played a weird dude who was seemed kind of gay once, so therefore, yeah, so you can't be you can't be you know, a hero anymore. And it's just so, so awful when it's like, it's, it's called acting, like the whole point yeah. is to play something that you're not and just and it becomes like a real life
1: like monster hunt like it's right? this, like p- people bringing out their torches and pitchforks
0: and being like right. we can't have him on the screen and like like you said just kind of like some of like this villainizing of queerness and just the idea that it's like you could play you know a murderer in a movie but it's worse if it seems like you're gay right so. <laughs> or like being yeah. a gay character would would ruin you um and that's just really gross and not cool
1: was this also the episode uh where they talked about the director who directed Bride of Frankenstein? Yes,
0: yes, that was next to my thing. Uh, so James Whale, who I was not familiar with.
1: Yeah, so this is one of those moments for me where <laughs> I feel like all the like all the puzzle pieces in my brain clicked together because literally every single one of the universal films he directed are my favorite films of the, of the monster movies. And I was like, Oh, it's cause they're gay. Mm -hmm. Like he, he directed it through an extremely queer lens. And like, like you said, it's kind of one of those things where you watch those things when you're young and you don't think anything about it. But like now as an adult and a person who is out, like I look back on that and I'm like, man, I saw something in that. Yeah. That reflected myself back to me in some way that I really connected with. Um and and to be an out man in the the 30s and 40s. Right? Wow. Round of applause for James for Whale.
0: Sure. Yeah. That was that was really really fascinating to me to to learn more about him and hear about that. It, and it is. It is just so interesting to kind of feel like you have a connection to a piece of media that you don't really understand why. And then at some some future point when you understand yourself better and like are like oh I get it now ah, ah. The,
1: dots, the dots have been connected
0: uh, yes um did they is this the did they also talk about like body snatching in this episode or was that in the no next I th-
1: one? I think that's okay. the next one but I do before we move on I do yes. also believe this was the episode where we talk about the haze code for the first time yes and I had a real epiphany. That I like again one of those things I've I've been aware of and thought about a lot, but didn't know the context or the history of. Um, you know the term barrier gaze. Mm-hmm. Uh like in film and media now, well, not necessarily as much now because people are more aware of it, but like especially in the 90s, um, watching TV shows and things. I mean, let's let's take Buffy, for example, yeah. and Tara. Um, as just one example, but many, 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 many examples I could think of, uh, where a queer character does not get to see the end of a show and has to die for some reason.
0: Especially lesbians.
1: Especially
0: lesbians. Yes.
1: Especially queer women. Um, and so they introduce in the second episode, the Hayes Code, which was like a series of laws instituted in hollywood around i believe it was didn't they say around the 40s mm-hmm. um basically sh- dictating what you could and could not show in what's, films what's
0: immoral
1: to what's, what's going to uh, <laughs> corrupt the the moral culture yeah Bleah. um and one of the things that was specifically stated was that if you depicted any form of homosexuality that character that expressed that in any way had to be either like, quote, punished or killed. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I I mean, I know. I know that it was like that. But like when you hear it explicitly stated like that in a in a document that was right. accepted by a huge conglomerate of people who are making the mass media that everyone is ingesting.
0: What? I know. It's it's wild to be like. Oh hey, we wrote down all the rules about what things are bad. And you look at it and you're like, oh, this sure does tell a lot about society, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. And like 90% of it is like, don't be gay and don't like and now be here sexually we are.
0: Promiscuous.
1: And now here we are in fucking 2022. And it's the same thing. You know, like it's mm-hmm. it's just wild to see how history repeats itself and we've got like don't say gay bills popping up all over the place. Yep. It's like, have we learned nothing? Have we learned nothing? Sh- just ooh, steams my beans <laughs> right. flames on the side of my face <laughs> flames literally, uh speaking of icons um but yeah, i I was really just kind of I, again, it was one of those moments where puzzle pieces connected to my brain. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh my god, like we're mm-hmm. still seeing the effects of that in the like barrier gaze trope, yeah. It's just—it's wild to me
0: that. Yeah, I mean, it gets—it gets established as a yeah. cinematic trope, like, and
1: and it's just ingrained in us in a way we don't even realize how rooted and how deep it goes.
0: Yeah, like I—I I don't think m- most most people today who are in you know the 90s or whatever who were writing stuff weren't just like and now i will demonstrate that queerness is wrong by killing one of these queer people
1: exactly like, yeah you that's and, not and, the yeah, intent it,
0: it, it becomes it becomes so insidious that it's just part of like your standard language of right. media and that that's you like, don't even know why you're doing it anymore
1: and that's scarier mm-hmm. that like it, it's a subliminal thing that has been ingrained in us now that you know, when you see a queer person die in a show, you don't think anything. You're like, "Oh yeah, I, I figured they would probably die because they're queer." Like, yeah, and not in a malicious way, but like that that precedent has been set.
0: Yeah, it's just um, something that happens.
1: So cut that shit out, everyone. <laughs> right, stop burying your gays. We're no not more of that,
0: please. Actually,
1: actually just make everybody gay in the show and no one dies <laughs> it's a horror movie where everyone lives and they're all gay i love it <laughs> there
0: you go i'd watch that i'd watch that movie <laughs> i think we do get to watch that actually
1: it's called hey neighbor uh <laughs> coming out soon well, uh, alice allison stoner is a part of it and the whole cast is queer so i'm nice. very excited about that
0: all right i'm into that um but yeah the next episode episode three is um, about kind of transformation monsters a lot about werewolves Hell which yeah. as much as uh as much of a vampire girl i am i am also extremely into werewolves yeah, <laughs> so I'm definitely definitely look for for future werewolf content <laughs> on <laughs> ghouls night in um but just kind of the the allegory to queerness of this idea that there's something monstrous inside you that is forcing its way out and that like you're going to try your best to conceal it, but in the end, everyone is going to know that you're a monster is just so, uh, so, so good. relatable, so relatable,
1: <laughs> so re- relatable content. Well, and I loved, I mean, they really focused on the word transformation films mm-hmm. in this episode, which I loved. And they had Emily St. James talk a lot. I love her so much. I do too. <laughs> um, uh, who who is a trans woman. If you're unfamiliar with her um, and, and, she got to talk a lot uh, in this episode about kind of the, the seeing yourself in these transformation films and like rooting for the monster more or less. Um, And that was very cool because, uh, you know, I mean, having not had that particular queer experience myself, I wouldn't watch a werewolf movie and maybe think like, Oh, this has like trans undertones, but it absolutely does. Like, (laughs) (laughs) and can we talk, other movies that i'm obsessed with that all of a sudden i was like oh my god it's gay ginger snaps hi yeah oh
0: yeah they brought up
1: ginger snaps and i was like oh my here we go here we go i'm i've i've i can't (laughs) (laughs) so like there's nothing i love more than something i already love than someone being like well you know why that's gay right and i'm like Tell me more. What? <laughs> Give me the information.
0: Yes. <sighs> I love it. And they, um, as, as I briefly alluded to, and I didn't know which episode it was, because I was like, this could kind of fit into either of these. I don't 100% remember. Mm-hmm. Just like, as as we've talked so many times about like, Moral panics and things,
1: and just like kind of the
0: reaction of like this panic about queerness, you know, presenting in like movies about body snatchers, movies about aliens, like this idea that like people might secretly be something terrible. And obviously, that it can also definitely, like, there are a lot of lines to draw there with like communism, the Red Scare, and stuff like that in America at this time, but also very much. This idea that it's like someone, you know, could be a homosexual. Oh. I don't know. That was like a Dracula. I don't know.
1: <laughs> all homosexuals are just little ghosts. We're all this like, Ooh, Ooh, we're here. <laughs> um, but the the b- body snatchers uh, part of this episode, I thought was really compelling as well. So they talk about that entire franchise. <laughs> um And specifically through a lens of like the, how those films really showcase the dangers of conformity Mm -hmm. and how like haunting that can be when everything's, when everyone's the same Um, and how, how it kind of, it never does it explicitly, but it kind of champions, you know, queerness and People who are different, <laughs> yeah. Um, accidentally or maybe purposefully, um, by showing how how frightening conformity can be, and uh, that really stuck with me from that episode. Especially the was it the '90s adaptation that specifically takes place on like a military base. Oh yeah, and they were like, "Well, this could have been kind of about you know war and thing that was happening," but also it was released right after the implementation of don't ask don't tell Mm -hmm. so it has like whether they meant to or not the context is there
0: yes you can definitely (laughs) definitely connect those dots also
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i i liked this episode a lot um there is something just really I don't know. I surprised. You're going to be none surprised at all. I found myself very emotional watching this. Show. <laughs> uh, oh
0: yeah. And- I this. I think I don't remember what it was called, but there was like they were talking about an was it the Howling maybe where it was like a commune of werewolves. Yeah. And they were like oh, all of these people live together in happiness and they have weird orgies. And I'm like, I know that the point of this movie is that's bad, but like, that sounds great. <laughs> it's very much to the point
1: of you in the Satanic <laughs> Panic episode, right? we're saying like, oh no, that sounds... Ta- like, you're making this thing sound awesome. Right, like,
0: don't take me to the werewolf
1: commune. Oh no, no. no. Well, and outside of just which I think these things cannot be um, separated, but outside of just queerness as an idea too, the, the transformation films also very specifically deal with just like sexual liberation in general. Mm -hmm. Yep. And especially also where uh, women or femme presenting people are concerned, which is something that people see as very dangerous as a sexually liberated femme person. And so that was, um, really interesting because i am a firm believer that everybody is uh fluid in kind of both the sexuality and gender spectrum i don't think we're born um stuck in one way and Mm -hmm. i think it's you know very much based on how we're raised and what we're fed and like media fed not food (laughs) um And so, well, I mean, if you eat Count Chocula, you're gonna end up gay. So, <laughs> well, and I didn't even have Count Chocula. How no. did I get here?
0: It, I mean, it's not a requirement. <laughs> but oh, okay, like...
1: okay. <laughs> I didn't even have Frankenberry stool, and I'm still queer. Um, no, but I think it's you know interesting, kind of tying back, especially with the werewolf films, like this animalistic instinct. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, this return to our quote primal nature is rooted in queerness. It's, you know, the, wh- wh- what we are at our foundation at our most basic primal instinct is sexually free and and uh, romantically free to do whatever we want. And I find that beautiful, but it's fascinating how, how scary that is to some people. Like that yeah. there's fear rooted in the idea
0: of liberation. For you sure. know? I think that's a, a great segue to our final episode. It sure is episode was so is good. all about women sapphic desire in horror sexual liberation i just want to say if anyone was like wondering doubting that this was like uh not a network not a network oh. tv type Ooh. of documentary there are so many titties in this episode boobies, boobies There's galore just, just boobaloobies all <laughs> all up in not there i boobaloobies
1: <laughs> yeah yeah there were vampire titties all over the screen i was not i was not upset but
0: i was like wow no yeah i was like this is distracting in a good way
1: (laughs) Uh, please sir i'm trying to learn (laughs) right
0: Uh, i'm trying to be informed this is a class uh but yeah and i mean this is a what is this is a wendy's like (laughs) this is a wendy's man this is a Uh, wendy's But this this episode talks so much about kind of this idea of like sleaze and sexuality, which I thought was really interesting. And one of my like favorite uh, kind of discussion points from this episode was sort of this idea that relates to all of these um, episodes. But this idea of exploitation versus representation Yeah. and that when you when you don't have any like actual good representation of yourself it's it's exciting to see yourself on screen even if you are being presented as a villain or as a bad thing and that like so many of these movies or as a sexual object yes just have like tons of like (laughs) women making out vampire ladies seducing random other ladies crazy werewolf titties and you're just like well i guess i guess this is close (laughs)
1: like yeah this is better than nothing i guess um yeah so that is and it's fascinating then, how that informs our queerness and how we view ourselves. It's not just mm-hmm. about how other people view us, but about how you know, when you are presented when the only representation you see, especially as a queer femme, like is kind of this hypersexualization of yourself and uh objectification mm-hmm. <laughs> how how that really informs you're your everything how you how you interact with your own queerness and, and that can be really damaging um so yeah this this ep- i loved this episode Me i too. really really did and we very so rarely see queerness dissected from a femme point of view mm-hmm. not just in films but in like research yes. <laughs> um so the fact that there was a whole hour-long episode dedicated queer women made me I was like screaming again give me a mountaintop please I was so excited
0: right I know I'm like I had been excited throughout because like it certainly wasn't there there were discussions of queer women and you know including women's experiences throughout it all and I was like yes awesome like it's so good to like see some of this and then to but then to be like here and for dessert it's an entire cake just for you. And I'm like, <laughs> what? For and me? for you, a
1: big old bowl of lavender haze to wrap up the <laughs>
0: yes. yeah.
1: Oh yeah, it was great. Um and sorry, wait, do you have more to say about the vampires?
0: No, no. <laughs> okay. <go on. laughs> uh
1: so yeah, and the this uh beautiful dissection of like the haunted house films yes. and the 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 gay ghosts. Um <laughs> Specifically, they started looking at films like the Uninvited um and talking about you know the this idea of a disembodiment almost of, mm-hmm. of queer folk and like them existing existing but not being able to be seen. Uh, that was a very interesting um a very interesting viewpoint. and like talking about, you know, uh, it wasn't the uninvited. what was the other? well, they talked about Rebecca yes Um. maybe it was the uninvited the one where the gal's mom dies and then she's living in the house and the okay so this was exciting because there's a character in it whatever film it was there's a character in it who is a a, a very queer female character named theo Mm -hmm. who like wears these long gloves and i was like oh my god haunting of hill house
0: (laughs) yes yes like
1: there's our queer history Because if you have not seen Haunting of Hill House, uh, Theo is a queer character, and that as well, and wears gloves to help with sensory overload in her surroundings.
0: Um, So many connections. Yeah, I
1: was like, look at that gay history right there in front of me. Uh, But that, that film that they were talking about was really, really interesting to me, because they said something that resonated with me specifically about how she herself was the haunted house like because she was like a stranger to herself in her own body and i was like whoa (laughs) (laughs) somebody makes shirts that say gay people are a haunted house i'll buy that (laughs) Uh, but i think that's a an experience we can all really relate to of like having this moment of kind of waking up in your your shell (laughs) and realizing that something is amiss or different and feeling estranged from yourself a little bit, Um, feeling unfamiliar and not really knowing how to navigate that. And it can be really, I mean, being queer, especially as a young person is very scary. Like it's a really haunting experience when you don't have representation, you don't really know what it looks like to be what you
0: are (laughs) something. So this was not um, part of this episode specifically. This is kind of about the the series as a whole and just kind of a general question. Um, So one of the things that I thought was really interesting um, when I was reading uh, some of uh, Brian Fuller's commentary um, kind of in interviews, like press stuff leading up to this was talking about like how it is, it is certainly important to have like, good and realistic representation um but he was saying that he he kind of misses like the subtext of a lot of this The coding of it the coding and i think i think that i i can relate to that too and just kind of the idea that like once something is set in stone there's so little room to like wiggle around it
1: yeah and
0: like i do i do certainly want to have like queer characters and things like that but sometimes these days it can feel like very tokenizing that it's like all right we put a queer thing in yeah and then and it just kind of it also in some ways feels prohibitive of like imagining queerness or interpreting queerness because it's like well no we already told you it's right over here in this box None of this other stuff is queer. And you're like, but I want it all to be queer.
1: Sure. And yeah, and I mean, there is something to be said for when it is coded. I mean, it's kind of like, like hanky code, right? Like we, like queer people had their own secret language to talk to each other and to find each other in, in this coding of characters and writing and things. And it did also, you know, when you're looking at a character like, um, Like in Bride of Frankenstein, like they're kind of these ethereal otherworldly characters that expands queerness outside of sexuality, which makes it, which is how I feel as a queer person. It doesn't really, to me, my queerness doesn't feel like just about who I'm attracted to or who Mm -hmm. I sleep with or whatever. It's more about how i exist and how i when i walk through a uh, you know when i walk down the street in Kansas City Missouri <laughs> <laughs> i look like i've broken out of the simulation compared to other people um that's my queerness to me and so yeah i i definitely see that that i think like that representation of queerness is going to get muddled in the like focusing more on seeing a specific type of queerness represented.
0: Yeah. Um, I think, I think kind of along with like, I think very much relating to that, like for me, a lot of the times, like I think of my queerness as something that is inherently undefined and undefinable. Like, I obviously oh, we like, like to think of ourselves as special. I like yes. to think of myself as undefinable. Um, <laughs> but I mean like obviously like there are good late there are labels for reasons. There are labels that I identify with at various points, but like at the center of it, like I feel like I'm I'm not a specific thing necessarily and that You walk out of, in the street every morning you
1: say I am unwritten.
0: <laughs> I am outside the lines. <laughs> I'm undefined, um, baby. <laughs> but that that part of being queer is kind of can be about eschewing those kinds of definitions. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that is something that I see a lot in media that is produced by queer people that it's often sometimes things remain unspoken and it's not necessarily somewhat, but it's, it's hard because, you know, of course you have that awful trope where um, they try and portray like a bisexual woman a lot of times on TV and she's like, Oh, I'm just, I'm flexible or I'm whatever. And it's like, you can just say bisexual or say queer or pan or whatever. So like, that resistance to it is not what I am talking about. Right. Uh, I mean, not, not to, not to talk about Brian specifically again. And I will, talk I was going to say at it. Some point, but but <laughs> Will and gonna... Hannibal's relationship throughout the show is deeply queer. Yeah. It's explicitly queer without them being like, hi, I'm gay and I'm in love with you. Or I didn't know I was gay, but now I'm in love with you. And also you maybe want to eat me. That's kind of weird. Um, it. <laughs> It doesn't have to. It can be presented in a way where it doesn't have to be spoken. And I will say that I I do appreciate that form.
1: Well, in addition
0: think, to the you know out right.
1: Road. Well, and I mean yeah, I was going to bring that up as well. Just Brian in all of his there are no like quote queer characters in Pushing Daisies. Yeah, um, but that show when you watch it you know it's made by a queer person oh, yeah. everything about that show is so queer it's rich and thick and like <laughs> excessive in every way like the wallpaper and the carpet and the bedding are all made out of the same fabric like that's gay like you know <laughs> like that's queerness and i i love the just the richness that a queer creator puts in something and so yeah you can definitely communicate that communicate a height of queerness without ever having to, you know, have someone coming out Mm -hmm. on a show
0: or what have you. Yeah. And, and whether it's, whether it's a positive or a negative thing, this kind of, as we've seen throughout this entire series, this like history of subtlety and references is part of our, is our history and it's part of our culture. And I think that that is like, and there it's
1: intelligent, are... man. That's the yeah. other, like it queer people are freaking smart. <laughs> Not all of us. Some of us are bimbos, me. No. Uh but yeah, no, it's very cool. It's very, very cool. Yes.
0: Yeah, it is. Uh it's just it's a very good documentary. It obviously sparks a lot of thoughts that you could have for your own queer salon with your own your own smart art queers. (laughs) Yes, watch
1: this either with people or have them watch it and then get together and have a conversation.
0: Yeah, Um, or, you
1: know, post a podcast about it so you can talk to your queer friends about it. talk to all your your ghouls about it. Well, and honestly, what I would love, because I do think this is very approachable in so many ways, show this to your straight friends, man. Yeah. Like, really, like, let people understand the history that they are standing on when they, you know, ingest horror media. Like it is so, like I said, it's so important for us to start having these conversations about how you cannot be a fan of like blank without supporting blank, you know? Yeah. And,
0: <laughs> um, uh, one. And I, I'll say one of the things that I think makes this a good option, like a good one-on-one option for, like you said, straight friends people who maybe or queer people who aren't that into like film or stuff like that is it's just such a joyful series yeah like everyone is really excited to be there and to talk about it like it's not like dark and dour even though like you like we said we got emotional about it but that's well, just our those are yeah. our own emotions it's not the show is not like angsty
1: no but i i do think watching it as a queer person you'll feel things you know which is what's beautiful about it it's fun it's camp but it's also heartfelt and it's a real love letter to queer people and to their contributions and i'm hoping for a part two man here's what i'm gonna say that last episode so throughout the entire series we have the director of jennifer's body as one of the commentators and we get to that whole last episode about queer female cinema. And there was not one thing said about Jennifer's body in this entire series. And I said, i must say they're saving that for round two. I
0: hope I so. I can't <laughs> wait.
1: Give, give me a whole episode dissecting Jennifer's body. Um, but yeah, I, I really hope. Like, yeah, sh- share this with everyone, you know, so that we can get a season two. We need it. We
0: love it. <laughs> yes. Uh Obviously, we we've talked a little bit longer than usual <laughs> about it, but we had a lot of feelings.
1: Well, and I feel y'all usually love uh, one of these chatty episodes now That's and again. True. So we, I'm I'm very glad Penny texted me a couple days ago and was like, "Do you want to do a review of Queer for Fear?" And I was like, "Literally more than I want to breathe." That's what I <laughs> I want to do. Yes.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. So we definitely want to hear what you think about uh, the series if you've watched it. Um, what was your favorite episode? Was there a piece of queer history that was new to you? We would love to know. Uh, feel free to leave that over in the comments on our Instagram at Ghouls Night In Pod. And if you are enjoying our show, um, n- even a fraction of the amount that we enjoyed Queer <laughs> for Fear, uh, we would love for you to leave a review or a rating on your podcast app. And I believe Midge has a review to share with us today. I do. Yeah, please, uh, please
1: leave us a forty-seven-minute-long rant, yes. rant rave <laughs> review, as we have for Queer for Fear. Uh, well, this uh, review is from somebody who's. Username, I cannot read because it is in, I believe, Japanese. Um, But it is a five star review titled Officially Obsessed. Found Midge's YouTube channel last week. Oh, hey, welcome. (laughs) And have been binging all her videos, which of course led me here to the podcast. And I have been hooked ever since. It's just spooky enough to satisfy me. But uh, but so spooky. Oh, not so spooky that it makes me anxious like some other podcasts I've listened to in the past. I honestly think Penny and Midge both are so funny and have great chemistry. Love the show and glad I found it. Keep up the good work. Sincerely, A New Glamour Ghoul.
0: Aw, thank you, friend. Thank you so much. Uh,
1: that's And that's what we aim for. Uh, a, fun, a fun approach to spooky that isn't going to ruin your day. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: uh, so, like I said, uh, you can join us on instagram at ghouls night in pod uh, to keep up with what the podcast is up to and if you are looking for me you can find me across all platforms at penny snark and you can
1: find me everywhere at Midge munster and until next
0: time goodbye good